like, oh, keep going. You see, it's amazing that these psalms are written to, to be sung and, and by the congregation. They're, they're meant to be sung over people. And so I pray that these words would just ring over you today. But the, the problem with some passages in Scripture is that they become so popular. And when popularity happens and they become these uh, coffee cup verses, I like to call them, or the cross-stitch, right, when your grandma cross-stitched, because that used to be a thing. Um, they used to cross-stitch these things, and all of a sudden, these popular passages became so popular that they kind of lost its meaning, or you kind of lose what it's actually talking about. And so because Psalm 23 is so popular, what I want to do today is really truly look at the, the psalm and what David is trying to tell us in this psalm, rather than what we've heard all of our, our lives as we grow up. Because I remember hearing this psalm very early in my life. Almost, also at every funeral, right? This is like a funeral hymn as well. And so we need to learn what this psalm is truly trying to tell us. And here's what I want us to understand is that Psalm 23 is not here just to make us feel good. Because it does. As you read it, it makes you feel good. It's, a, it's well worded and it has a good flow to it. It makes you feel good. It sounds pretty churchy. And it sounds pretty good. But what we have to understand is that Psalm 23 is truly a lifestyle. It's truly a lifestyle. And so I had a professor in college. He was the basketball coach. And, and in college, I like to, to lift and get, get buff, okay? And uh, I, don't, I don't anymore. And, um, but every time I went into the weight room, uh, the basketball coach, he was there on the elliptical. He was a little older, so he couldn't run anymore. And so he was always on the elliptical. Every time I went in there, he was always there. There's Coach Elders. There's Coach Elders. There's Coach Elders. And so one day I just said, hey, why do you do this as your hobby? And he looked at me so fast, and he said, hobby? This is my lifestyle. And it dawned on me in that moment that sometimes things, we see them as hobbies or just something we kind of like to do from time to time. But for him, exercising and working out and being physically fit was truly a lifestyle. It was a part of the fabric of their lives. And so when I say today that Psalm 23 is a lifestyle, that's what I'm trying to say, that Psalm 23 is just not something to be a part of our hobby on a Sunday. It's a psalm, it's wisdom that God has given us in order to have it be a part of the fabric of our lives, to help us navigate in every area of our lives. Because that's what Psalm 23, that's why it's so popular. It's because in every circumstance, whether you're at a good point of life or whether you're at a low point of life or whether you just lost someone or whatever it may be, Psalm 23 is so applicable and Psalm 23 is so great and it has so much wisdom for us in our lives that it truly is and it needs to be a part of the fabric of our lives and it needs to be the wisdom we have in our lives to help us navigate and so today I want us to understand Psalm 23 correctly and really take a dive into it more than just the idea of funerals. And so what we need to understand today is that we must recognize our status so that we can rely on the provision, protection, and service of God in order to successfully navigate life, we need to recognize our status in life, but also we need to rely on the provision, the protection, and the service of God. 
And so Psalm 23 starts with this statement, I will say that. David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. I just want to pause there for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd. These five words are weighty words today. And I want them to just weigh on you heavily today. The Lord is my shepherd. You see what David does here as he writes this psalm. He begins with this statement and he's recognizing his status in life. He says to God, he says, Lord, you are my shepherd, which ultimately he's actually saying, I am your sheep. These words in verse 1 would resonate with David's heart so much because many of us know, and if you don't know, David, who we meet in the Old Testament, was actually a shepherd himself. We actually, that's where we meet him in 1 Samuel chapter 16. In 1 Samuel, God has rejected Saul as king of Israel. And God tells Samuel, he says, go to the house of Jesse, and there you're going to find the next king in which I'm going to appoint. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and he sees these seven sons, and they're all big, burly dudes. And Samuel says, surely one of these is the next king. But sure enough, after each son, it's not the king. It's not the king. It's not the king. And then we see Samuel ask Jesse this in 1 Samuel 16, 11. He says, then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And so think about this for a second. David writes those five words, the Lord is my shepherd, and yet his entire childhood was lived as a shepherd. That's why they're so weighty in his life. When he pens these words, he is recalling the memories of sitting under the sprawling trees, overseeing many sheep. And he says to God, he says, listen, you are my shepherd and I am your sheep. This statement is a statement of humility. It's a moment of humility because David is comparing himself to a creature that is weak to a creature that is defenseless, to a creature that is foolish. And because it's Father's Day, I have to talk to fathers right now, father figures. It's hard for us to allow someone else to lead, isn't it? It's hard for us to give up that that status of leader in our families and that status of leader in our businesses and that status of leader in our lives. And yet here we see David, King David, a man after God's own heart, who's willing to compare himself to a sheep, to a sheep who needs to be led by someone, to to a creature who needs someone to defend them, to a creature who needs someone to serve them. You see, David himself knew the needs of the sheep, but he also knew what it took to care for and to protect the sheep as well, as a shepherd. And if you don't know, David was also a rock star shepherd in his life, like probably one of the best ones ever recorded. Uh, Many of you know the story of David and Goliath, right? Where David goes and he's like, he he goes to bring food to his brothers and um, 
Goliath walks out and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And no one, everybody's too afraid and they don't want to go kill Goliath. And David comes with this sling and he just slings that rock and kills Goliath, right? But what I want to point out is the conversation that David had with, with Saul before he actually went and fought Goliath. David was standing before Saul and Saul says, you're just a kid. I have trained warriors that are too afraid to go, go fight Goliath, and yet you want to go fight him? You're just a kid. And David says, wait a minute. I was a shepherd. When a bear would come in and snag one of my sheep, guess what I did, Saul? I'd go kill it. I'd go retrieve that sheep and bring it back. And when a lion came in and took a sheep, Saul I would go and retrieve it and kill the lion. And if that lion came up on me, I'd wrestle it and snap its neck, right? David says, I've done this before. I've done this before. As a shepherd, I went after the sheep. I killed those bears. I killed those lions. I can kill Goliath because I have God with me. And so when David equates himself as sheep, when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, He's envisioning a shepherd who would go to any length for his sheep. He's not picturing a shepherd that I would probably be. Like if a bear came in, I'd say, have at it. That's what I would say. Or if a lion came in, I would say, go for it. You can have all you want. See you tomorrow. David's not envisioning a shepherd who's just going to sit by and allow the sheep to be devoured. David is envisioning a shepherd who would go to any length to protect his sheep from danger, from hunger, from disaster. He's envisioning a shepherd who would provide for his sheep the food and the water it needed and to serve and to care for the sheep when they need it. He envisioned an intimate shepherd in which he could have confidence in. An intimate shepherd he could have confidence in. And that's why he says those five weighty words. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Listen, David is humble enough to to recognize his status. He's humble enough to understand that he is not the leader of his life. He is not the one that that should be directing his life that he is actually the the one that needs to follow the shepherd. And so in our lives, it's imperative that we understand that we need to recognize our status. We need to recognize our status as not the shepherd, but rather the sheep in our lives. And we need to know a few things about the sheep as well. First, as sheep, sheep are dependent, aren't they? Sheep are dependent. Domesticated sheep are fully dependent on their shepherds. You look up how to take care of sheep, and that's what they'll say. They're, they're, kind of, uh, they're kind of, they're sheep that really don't understand how to live without a shepherd if they're domesticated. And so David goes on to say these, these three statements. He goes on to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and in paths of righteousness. He restores my soul. What he's saying here is that without the shepherd, there's no green pastures. Without the shepherd, there's no still waters. 
There's no righteousness. There's no paths of righteousness. There's no restoration. You see, without the shepherd, we could try, and maybe we could find a few patches of green grass on our own. Maybe we could find some water, but maybe not be still water. It may be rushing water in our lives. We may be able to find restoration at some point, but only last for a moment. But let me ask you the question, how has that gone for you? How has that gone for me when I try to lead myself, when I try to be the shepherd of my own life? You see, I can fully admit to you today that whenever I try to lead my life, whenever I try to be the shepherd, it usually ends in problems. Either problems with God, problems with others, or problems within. That's usually the outcome. And so I'll be the first to admit it. It doesn't go well for me when I try to be the shepherd. You see, we are dependent on our shepherd. We are dependent on someone to lead and to guide us. But not only that, not only are we dependent, but we are also property. And I know that sounds super weird to hear, but it also is really weird to say, okay? And so we are property as well. And so let me just Let me just break this down for a second. He says this, the Lord is my. How personal is that? David doesn't say the Lord is our. He doesn't say the Lord may be. He says the Lord is my, which means that he's saying, I am his. I am his. In this culture, in his culture, domesticated sheep were property at that point. They could shear them, they could sell them, they could eat them, right? Like make a nice little euro with some tzatziki on it. They could trade them. It was actually currency. They would get married and they would barter with sheep. It's the same in our culture too. Domesticated sheep are property. And so what the Lord is my, that phrase, the Lord is my, communicates is that we are God's. Peter understood this in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you are not like that. For those of you that have a relationship with Jesus, for those of you that have put your faith and trust in Jesus and you're following him with your life and you have new life in Christ, Peter says, but you are not like that. You are not like the world, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. And Peter goes on to say, God's very own possession. When Jesus walked out of that tomb, he purchased us from the enemy, and he looks at us and he says, you're mine. When he walks out of that tomb, he says, I purchased you with my blood All you have to do is have faith in me. I bought you. Just like David went to great lengths for his sheep, Jesus went to great lengths to rescue us from being devoured from our enemy. Do you know that? Jesus went to the greatest of lengths for us. He died our death He took our sin all so that he could rescue us and he could graft us into the fold of God. You see, we are property. We are dependent. And so two things we need to understand today is that we were created. God, we were created to depend on our creator, not ourselves. We were created to depend on our creator, not ourselves. That's a hard one to swallow, isn't it? 
And not only that, but we were also created for our creator, not ourselves. God didn't just set you here and say, here, go for it. Live for yourself. No, we were created for his glory and for the sake of others. We were created to depend on him in our lives, not ourselves. You see, Adam and Eve failed in the garden. They failed at exactly this. They had communion with God. They were depending on God for everything in their lives, and they had that perfect peace. They knew they were created for God so they could commune with him and have that relationship with him. But then the tempter came in and, and for the context of today, said, here, you be the shepherd of your own lives. Take and eat of that tree. And so they took and they ate of it. And from that moment on, humanity has been doing the same thing. We've been trying to set ourselves up as the creator. We've been trying to set ourselves up as the shepherd of our own lives, depending on ourselves and living for ourselves. But God says that's not the case. Psalm 23 says that's not the case. The Lord is the shepherd. We are the sheep. We've been following the tempter in our lives. We've been giving up our dependence on God. We've been neglecting the fact that we've been created for God. And that usually leads to pain, doesn't it? That usually leads to struggle. That usually leads to misery in our lives. We need to recognize our status as sheep in the fold of God and be okay with it. That first part's easy. The first part's easy. Okay, I recognize that's cool. That's cool and all. I'm part of the fold of God. Great. But are you okay with it? Are you okay with that status, following and depending, and, and the fact that you were created for God? Are you okay with it? That's the question you need to ask in your own soul. That's the question all of us need to, to understand on a daily basis. It needs to become a part of the fabric of our lives. We need, to be, we need to be okay with God being our shepherd. You see, I have a two-year-old, and I try to lead him. And two-year-olds are notorious, right? The terrible twos, is that what it's called? He's a super good kid, but he's coming into this new phrase in this last month. This last month. Usually he's, he's been pretty good at allowing me to do things for him. And so just recently I, try to, I start doing stuff for him. Well, let me pick you up on that chair or let me help you brush your teeth. And every time I try to help him now, he always looks at me and he goes, no, me, Right? And I'm like, dude, but you're too small, you're too little, you physically can't do it. And he says, no, me. So I just say, all right, Dean, I'll just step back and watch you fail. Sure enough, time and time again, about a moment later, he starts crying and saying, what? Can you help me? Right? But he always has this idea, he always has this idea in his mind that he can do it on his own, even though he can't. How many times are we like that in our lives with God? Where we have this idea in our minds that we can do it and we say, God, no, me. And yet he's sitting there saying, I want to help you. I want to lead you. I'm your shepherd. I care for you. I protect you. I serve you. Let me be there for you. And yet how many times do we sit there and say, no, me. You see, we need to rely, sorry, we need to recognize 
our status as sheep in the fold of God and be okay with it. And when we recognize our status, then and only then can we rely on our shepherd. Because if you don't recognize your status as sheep, you're never going to rely and depend on the shepherd. If you're always going to try to be the shepherd, you're never going to need the shepherd. And so when we recognize our status, then and only then can we rely on our shepherd. And the rest of Psalm 23 is actually David explaining how the shepherd provides for us, how we can rely on him. So the first thing we see is that our shepherd provides. Let's read it here on the screens. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first thing I want to say uh, is that David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I always was confused with this, this statement. Like, I shall not want what? Pizza? Like, I know I'm getting a little chubby, but I shall not want what? Well, I love how the NLT, and the reason I used the ESV version this morning is because it reads like how we memorized it when we were little, right? And so, but I love how the NLT version states it. NLT says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I have all that I need. And so it says this here. David says, listen, the Lord is my shepherd, which means I don't need anything anymore because I have all that I need through my shepherd. And isn't it really interesting that when we try to start leading our lives, guess what one of the first things we start wanting to do? We become discontent. When we start leading our lives, our own lives, trying to be the shepherd of our own lives, all of a sudden, we become discontent with our lives. And so what do we want? We want, right? We start wanting. Every time we start leading ourselves, we always become in this mode of, I want more, or I don't have enough, isn't it interesting that David says, listen, no, when the Lord's your shepherd, you have all that you need. When you allow the Lord to lead you and to guide you in life, you have all that you need. Contentment will start to ring forth in your heart. And yet the moment we start following our own paths, discontentment sets in. Discontentment destroys our lives sometimes. I shall not want we go on with this passage, what else do sheep need? He says, I, I have all that I need. And, and we, we look at these things. Sheep need food. And so God leads them and he makes them sit down in green pastures. He makes them sit there so they can be nourished, so they can find rest. And here's the, here's the beauty of the scriptures. Sometimes they always connect with each other. And so it's really interesting because in Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. This is just a side note for you. In Mark, Mark chapter 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000, and he multiplies bread, and he multiplies fish. And it's really interesting because in the middle of that passage, Jesus says to have them all sit down in the green grass. Isn't that interesting? Mark goes out of his way to call the grass green. In the middle of a desert, there's this green, this patch of green grass where there's thousands of people there, and Jesus is there to multiply bread and multiply fish for them to sustain them. Isn't that amazing? Because that's what God does. He leads us to, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of death, he leads us to these green 
pastures where we can lie down, we can be nourished, we can find rest. Not only do sheep need food, but also sheep need water. And in the passage, it says still water. He leads me beside still waters. I'm pretty sure sheep can't swim. I don't know. Maybe you know. I don't know. I only assume they can't. But if there's a rushing waters, the sheep could be swept away. If there's rushing waters, the sheep could be swept away and die. But yet God leads them to still waters where they can approach the water with confidence. And then not only that, sheep need rest and restoration. They need rest and restoration. They need their souls restored. They need rest in their lives. And so it's interesting because our shepherd provides all of these things physically and spiritually. Everything we need physically is from the Lord. Mark, also in Matthew chapter 6, God says, don't be anxious. And he talks about how he clothes the lilies, he feeds the birds. And he says, because I do that, how much more am I going to provide for you? We don't have to be anxious. We don't have, to, we don't have to try to live out the future before it begins. We don't have to think about tomorrow because God's going to provide for us. He always does. So he provides physically for us, but he also provides spiritually from us, for us. In the New Testament, we learn that Jesus is the bread of life and also the fountain of life. And in John 6, 35, we read this. Jesus said to them, Jesus says to the crowd, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. We see in this passage that Jesus is the one that revives our souls That Jesus is the one that sanctifies it. Jesus is the one that strengthens it. He's the one that gives us life. And as our shepherd, he's going to lead us in those places. He's going to take us there. Whether or not we follow is up to us. We recognize our status and, and follow Jesus. You see, our shepherd provides. But not only that, our shepherd protects He goes on to say in Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is the passage of why this is a funeral passage, okay? This phrase right here. In 1916, the Methodist Church brought this into the standard funeral service. And it became part of many, many funerals from that year on, okay? But when we read this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that phrase, the shadow of death, isn't talking about death. It can actually be translated the valley of deep darkness. And so I want you to imagine David as a shepherd, as he's trying to find green pastures, as he's trying to find still waters for his sheep. Guess what he has to go through? You look at at the, the terrain where he lived. Guess what? There are some deep, dark valleys they have to go through. And as a shepherd, he knew that as they went into the valley, thieves could be there, ready to steal his sheep. He knew lions could be there, ready to to kill his sheep. Bears could be there, snakes could be, whatever the case. And guess what he was ready with? He had his rod and his staff ready to take down any threat against his sheep. And they had to walk through that valley of darkness. And so he puts it into the psalm because guess what? We go through some deep, dark valleys in our lives, don't we? We go through some pretty hard times in our lives where it just feels dark. It feels like it's never going to end, where there's, there's people coming at us from all angles and we have no clue where it's coming from. 
But David says here, listen, even though we walk through them, even though they're going to happen, he says. Isn't that, isn't that the worst? Like, he's saying, hey, I'm going to walk through it. You're going to walk through these deep, dark valleys. But we don't have to fear. We don't have to fear because he says, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your protection, your love for me as your sheep comforts me. I don't have to fear what I'm going through in life. I can find comfort and peace in my life. Psalm 46, 1 says God is a very present help in trouble. He's there. He's there with us. And so our shepherd not only provides, he also protects us from what we need. Just like our kids, your kids, fathers, when they're scared, they run to you. Just like just like David ran to God in his life, just like the disciples when Jesus comes on the boat in the midst of their storms, there's comfort and protection in our shepherd, Jesus. And the last thing we need to look at, our shepherd serves. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In this passage, it actually switches from this idea of a shepherd to a host or hospitality. And so if you look at this, you prepare a table before me. And it says, in the presence of my enemies. One commentator said, usually in the, in the presence of enemies and in battle coming up, meals would be fast. It'd be quick meals. But here's the Lord with the enemy around us taking time to prepare a table to prepare a feast for us. You anoint my head with oil, which is this idea of honor. My cup overflows, meaning you give me more and even greater than what I need in life. You are a host. You serve me as my shepherd. You see, our shepherd provides for us. Our shepherd protects us. And our shepherd serves us. And so we must understand and we must recognize our status so that we can rely on the provision, protection, and service of God. Because let me tell you, if you don't recognize your status, you won't rely on him as your shepherd. It just won't happen. When you try to be the shepherd, you won't need the shepherd. And so I want to bring us to one final passage as we close today. We must recognize this in our lives. We must understand that God is our shepherd and he sent his only son, Jesus. And here's what Jesus says in John 10, 10, and 11, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Jesus says to his disciples in the crowd, he says, the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus goes on to say, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. So when we start to believe the thief, when we start to go with the, she- the thief and, and follow the thief, that's going to lead to destruction, to death, and to some problems in life. But yet here's Jesus saying that, I am the good shepherd and I lay my life down for you. 
And so in the context of navigating life, when it comes to navigating our life, we can either listen to the thief and we can follow him, or we can listen to and follow the good shepherd, knowing that he provides for us, knowing that he protects us, knowing that he serves us. My prayer for you today is that you understand that Jesus is the good shepherd. And so if you don't understand that today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, just know this, that he has laid his life down for you personally. He's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. He knows you, and he wants you a part of his fold, his flock. And all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him, and let me tell you, you are grafted in. And today, if you are a part of God's family, if you're part of his fold, then let me just challenge you with this. Can you say those five words with confidence in your life? The Lord is my shepherd. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the wisdom that we find in your word, the wisdom of Psalm 23. God, I pray that this psalm would become a lifestyle for us, that it would be ingrained into the fabric of our lives, that it's not just some hobby or just some well-meaning phrase. But God, that we would truly believe that statement when we say it, that you are our shepherd. You do provide for us. You do protect us. You do serve us. Not only now in this life, but also for eternity, where we get to dwell in your house forever. And so God, I pray that this wisdom would help us navigate life, that it would become a part of who we are, and it would define us in our faith. God, we love you and we give you all the glory. We pray this in your name. Amen.